Hey, y'all. Welcome to Latte and Laundry. I'm Suzanne Bilodeau, and I am so honored to be with you here as we navigate motherhood, wifehood, sisterhood, and everything in between. This is a podcast for my fellow imperfect people who want to grow in greater communion with our most perfect God. So join me and my friends as we laugh, cry, dive deep, and explore with one another as we journey towards stilling our souls while moving our world. Hey guys, welcome back to Latte and Laundry. I'm Suzanne and I'm going to be talking today about something that actually comes from a unique story from my childhood that it wasn't until I was really praying over this recently that I realized um, how (laughs) something really unique that I experienced as a child really um, profoundly opens up the doors for me for understanding something that our Lord um, kind of taught us within the Bible. So the Bible verse that I would love to open up with is Matthew eleven twenty eight, which says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Okay, so that's a pretty popular Bible verse that I know many of us have often leaned on and it's really beautiful, just and tender of knowing our Lord who really desires to give us the soul rest that we need. And this is one of the things that it circles back to my my own experience of what motivated the whole concept of latte and laundry, right? Which is this this stilled, restful soul sitting at the feet of Christ like Mary. That's our latte, right? Our latte. While also knowing that we are people of this world who have to move about and tend to the needs of the minute, of the hour, of the day, the week, the month, the year. Um, our needs Uh, our jobs needs, our vocational needs, our children, our family needs. And this whole idea that we also still need to have the gusto and strength of Martha. So there's this opening Bible verse, I just feel like is a beautiful promise from our Lord that reminds us to come to him. And that is through him that will give us that inner rest, that, that rest our weary and often beaten down souls so desperately need. And as I was praying through this Bible verse recently, I started to reflect on this experience I had as a kid, and I'd love to just kind of give you guys this anecdotal story um, that I promise you it's going somewhere. So growing up, I um, my parents would often take me and my siblings on most Sundays to a Benedictine monastic um, or a, mon- a Benedictine monastery of nuns, actually, in Bethlehem, Connecticut. And if you're from Connecticut and you've never heard of this, check out the Abbey of Regina Laudis. <laughs> um, but uh, they would buckle us up at 6 o'clock in the morning and drive us an hour to to go there. And one of the things we would do is when we would arrive is we didn't go straight to Mass. We would actually spend probably two or three hours um, working the land and doing different things prior to mass and I don't know and if anybody has um, a deeper understanding of uh, the Benedictine way of life um, there's so many profound things that I've learned through studying Saint Benedict actually with my children we started studying him we read through a pretty intimate chapter book 
it's a read aloud I did with my kids. I often do these read aloud of these different chapter books because I struggle um, <laughs> to remember all the saints, unfortunately, because there's so many beautiful saints we can all learn from. And I struggle. I used to do the saint of the day and I'd have this thing in the afternoon I'd call sipping with the saints with my children where we would learn about the saint of the day while we sipped on tea or hot chocolate. Um, and I still do that. I still call it sipping with the saints, but now instead it's we read these chapter books where we could really go dive deep into the depths and the intimate way of life of some of these saints. And so I read aloud these these chapter books and there's like a number of them. I'll have to look at it. Maybe I could put it in my show notes later of um, the publisher of all these different saint chapter books. But we've gone through a number of saints and it's a slow process. So it could take us like a month or two, depending on the season, to get through these pretty meaty but intimate chapter books. And um, the first one we did was on Saint Benedict. And Saint Benedict, um, one of the things that I think many people might know this about him, but one of the things I learned and I didn't even realize, even considering that I would go to a Benedictine monastery every Sunday morning for most of my childhood, was that this, one of the very important principles of the life of Saint Benedict that he instilled into like the hearts and minds of the monks that lived within the walls of his monastery. And and then it also he also instilled it into it really transferred into the many of the minds and hearts of those that created new monasteries and followed the Benedictine way of life around the world. And this was this component of the Benedictine way of life, which emphasized many things. But it was interesting because it doesn't just emphasize living a life of devotion, peace, and prayer, which I think is obviously at the center of the spiritual life, but also this this idea of working very, very hard. So that often the Benedictine monks, and as I saw with the Benedictine nuns, was they labored very hard. And so going to this Benedictine monastery on Sunday mornings, we would often do a lot of things in the on the property, in the land, work the land. I mean, these nuns were, were amazing. The, um, the property is made up of a number of buildings stretched out over acres and acres and acres of land. And they basically took care of all, if most, if not all of it themselves. And so I had really great experiences on this property. I mean, they, they raised all their own harvest, their own, um, vegetables and fruit. They raised animals, um, for like cows for milking and goats and, and pigs and chickens and you name it for, um, milk and for food. So I had a number of really cool experiences uh, uh, doing this on Sunday mornings. And sometimes it's funny because I almost forget this is part of my story until I start to tell people about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. I did do these things, which is really neat. Um, And I didn't know to appreciate it then, but I really appreciate it now. And some of the things that I did during that time was I, I made candles. I, um, worked with harvesting honey from the bees. I milked the cows, which then often on various times, we sometimes would turn and we I helped make into butter or cheese or really, really delicious ice cream. And um, I even had this really neat experience once. Of, so we worked with the pigs some, and I had this really cool experience once that at the time as a kid, I don't think I learned to appreciate it at all, but I... Um, I remember having to sleep over somebody's house that lived nearby since they were an hour away because 
myself along with a number of kids my age, and I might have been like nine, ten years old, I don't recall, but we were on call for delivering a new litter of pigs from the mama pig. So I remember we got called at two o'clock in the morning or so, wee hours of the morning, um, that the pigs were ready to, the mama pig was ready to deliver. And there had been a snow, huge snowstorm um, the night before. So we actually had to like walk quite a distance in the snow until we reached a spot that someone could pick us up because they weren't able to reach the house we were staying at. Someone could pick us up and drive us to the property. And I had this really beautiful and profound experience of basically almost being like the doctor. I mean, it was a learning experience for us kids, but where we got to catch the pigs as the mom was delivering her piglets. And it was just really beautiful and a profound experience. But one of the main things that I um, tended to as a child, and it's it's funny because this actually just sparked in my memory because uh, I was going through some childhood documents I had and just like filing paperwork away. And there was this newspaper article that had been done about me and some of these other kids that were doing this. But we would, and this from forever ago, and I forgot about it until I saw this, this um, clipping that someone had saved for me. And we would go and we would train the ox. Now, if you're not familiar with what does that even mean, train the ox or oxen. So um, one of the important things for the the nuns on this property was that the the oxen actually functioned as one of their major tools for working the land, whether it was they need to till the land or pull something heavy or cut something or whatnot. These oxen would, two oxen would come together and would perform whatever duty that, you know, or whatever um, job that needed to be done on the land. And one of the really important things for the oxen to be able to work together and perform the jobs that they were needed for was they needed to be trained. And it seems pretty simple and obvious, kind of like we would almost like train a, a pet or a dog where they would need to learn to listen to commands from the person, the human that's working with them, whether it was telling them to go left or to go right or to go forward or to go backwards or to to pull or to stop or whatever it was. And they needed to learn to listen to the commands. So when there was like a new ox that was brought in, we would train the ox and teach them how to listen. So we would arrive at the property, we'd we'd kind of clean up the ox, maybe brush them, maybe feed them and then take them out. And at that time, we would put this yoke upon their shoulders. And the yoke, for any of my listeners who are not familiar with what a yoke is, I'm sure you've seen it in the pictures. It's that big, heavy, wooden um, piece of wood that goes over the shoulders or kind of like the neck of the oxen that keeps two oxen like yoked together, hooked together. And so it would lay over their necks. And there'd be like a gap in between that kind of pivoted down. And I had a gap, like a space in between, but it, the, the wood was continuous, so it kept the, the two oxen together. And then there'd be a wooden pin underneath that would go kind of lock the yoke in place upon their necks. And the this big hooped pin wouldn't really like squeeze their neck or anything. It was just there, and it was loose, and it was there as a as a way to safely ensure that the yoke didn't fall off them or slip over their necks, something that could trip on or cause damage or hurt themselves or anything. And so we would place this yoke upon their shoulders. And it really wasn't until I was reflecting on our opening Bible verse that goes a little deeper. So I opened it up with just Matthew eleven twenty eight, but there's actually so much more to it that I think we've heard before, but it really wasn't until I started to reflect on my, my childhood and this experience that I had that it brought so much, so much more was brought into the light for me. 
And I'm going to repeat the beginning that I said, and I'm going to take it a step further to go through 11, um, Matthew 11, 29 and 30 as well. But the whole thing says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as I was praying through this and reflecting on this, the word yoke really was standing out to me. And it started reminding me of some of the important things about when I would yoke up the ox together as a child that I don't think I really realized Christ was talking to us profoundly in this Bible verse in this way until I started to reflect on my own crazy experience. Yes, yes, I used to train oxen, okay? So um, when I used to hear this Bible verse, it was really, um, and it always has been, it still is, really tender and beautiful for my soul where I hear God's good promise of giving us rest, right? But I often heard it like, uh, hey, put your feet up, relax, I can give you rest. But I think when we zero in on some of the words that our Lord uses here, we could see that the message is so much more profound. And one of the things that was really unique and critical to the yoke, the yoking and training process of the two oxen was that whenever you set up the ox, whoever is the left ox remains the left ox. So the next time you bring them out, you teach them to stay on the left. And the one on the right stays on the right. And there's a reason for this. So me, the trainer, the person giving commands, if I wasn't training, and let's just say I was wor- having them work, would always stand to the left of the two oxen. And they'd be yoked together, right? They're kind of like locked together. And the the ox right to my right, the closest one to me, I'd have like this whip. And don't worry <laughs> for all my animal activist friends out there. Do not worry. I, at least in the experience I had where I was and with uh, all the people that I worked with, it was never like we were whipping them hard or anything like that. We were just almost like tapping them on the, on the rear to, um, or shoulder to, um, pay attention and listen to our commands. So it was just a gentle tap, but I would have this in my hand and I would just kind of tap them and I would say a command, you know, whatever the word was for, I wish I could remember now, but I don't, (laughs) whatever the word was for turn left or turn right or stop or pull or whatever it was. And the ox directly next to me, so the left ox, but the one to my right, would move in the direction. They would listen to the command. But because they're yoked to the other ox, the other ox would kind of learn that they were being tugged in a specific direction, right? And there's something really interesting about this because the ox that was on the left would be the lead ox, the ox that was actually listening to my commands, the one that was actually standing right next to me would be what we consider the lead ox, the ox that would listen to my commands. So it would be the one that would turn. And the other one I will refer to as, if you will, the submissive ox was one that um, would get pulled and he might hear my commands as kind of like a warning for the direction that the lead ox was going to go. But he really, his job was really to follow the lead ox. So if the lead ox was pulling left and he started to feel a tug pulling left, he would move left. If the lead ox started to turn right, then the other submissive ox would turn right. Same with follow, I mean, go, stop, pull, etc. So it's funny because as a kid, I always really saw the power in the lead ox 
the strength and the lead ox, the one listening most most attentively to our commands and taking the two of them in the direction they needed to go. But I, uh, as an adult, I'm actually starting to have a lot more profound respect and admiration for the beauty and strength of the secondary ox or the, the submissive ox, if you will. Because that ox had to have a lot of strength and obedience to follow along the other ox. Because we sure know that if the lead ox was told to go left and started to go left, but the right ox (laughs) was fighting and wanting to go right, nothing would get done. They'd be in a standstill and it'd be kind of this aggressive warfare (laughs) because they'd be yoked together and couldn't move. And I think a lot of times for ourselves, we often try to move about in this world, this heavy burden, souls that we often carry around with us. We often try to tend to our needs, the needs of others, the soul interior life needs that we have, the physical needs that we have, the mental needs that we have, the emotional needs that we have the needs of those in our lives, our children, our spouses, our friends, our family, I think we often try to tend to them ourselves. And sometimes when we forget that we are called to invite Christ in morning, noon, and night, we often end up as the aggressive submissive ox who wants to take our life in the direction our day or a moment in the direction we think is best without inviting Christ in, that we often end up going the wrong way or being stuck in a standstill. And I think when we look at Matthew's words that are, or Christ's words in Matthew, that are so profound when he says, take my yoke upon you, our Lord is actually (laughs) inviting us to be yoked to him, the king of the universe. He desires to be that lead ox in our life. And it's through allowing him to take the lead that our souls will find the rest they so desperately need. And like I was saying before, I think when I would read this Bible verse, I'd often think to myself, oh, so good God, I I do need rest. Come, I'll come to you. I am weary and and um, burdened and I really do desire to give to get rest so please help me put my feet up and I just thought it was this invitation to not worry about things and to just go put my feet up and maybe take a rest actually not work so hard and I think there is a piece of that that's really true and beautiful but I think the greater component of that especially for us that are living in this world this world that is on the other side of heaven that is broken and fallen where we still have many duties to tend to, I think it's an invitation instead for us to be yoked to Christ. And I think something that's really interesting here, if you think about it, when you think of the imagery of the ox, the two ox yoked together, one ox is not pulling while the other one lays down. No, the other one is moving too. He's just following the lead of the lead ox. And how restful and mind um, easy is it for that ox to just feel and follow? And I think that's so much of what Christ is inviting us to here. He's like reminding us and telling us he will turn left. He will turn right. He will move forward. He will pull. And we have to feel his movements. And part of being able to recognize those movements so that we can simply follow and not move in the opposite direction 
is to be allow ourselves to realize that we are always yoked to the king of the world if we allow ourselves to be and to invite him in at all times of the day, not just when I have those quiet prayer moments, not just when I'm able to wake up 15 minutes before my children so I can read the daily readings in the Magnificat, maybe do a rosary, do some spiritual reading, have my my 10 minutes of quiet time before that where I'm just speaking with the Lord. I think it's so much greater than that. I think he's inviting us to be yoked to him at all times and he will take the lead in how we move. So that's having that conversation with him throughout the day while we're changing the diapers, while we're cooking the meals, while we're tending to this meeting or running around with the busyness that our job entails, whatever it is, wherever vocation you are in this life, Christ wants to be yoked to you at all times. He wants us to be attentive to him so we can feel his movements, be submissive and surrender to his ways and simply follow. And what a freedom it is when we do surrender and we do allow him to take the lead knowing we're the submissive ox. And when I say submissive, I don't mean because we have no dignity and and beauty in the um, uniqueness of ourselves. No, no. It's submissive because we are under, submissive means under the mission of, we are under the mission of Christ, right? And we are following him. And when we know we don't have to take the lead, I mean, I don't know about any of you, but sometimes I know I walk through my life and just asking, I would just love for somebody else to be in charge for a few minutes. And when I can remember, even with all the responsibilities that my day requires, when I can remember that the Lord of the universe is the one in charge and that he's the one leading, it is freeing and profoundly restful. And this leads us to be able to journey towards that stillness in our hearts that we are all desiring while being able to move about in this world as a Martha. And before I close up, I just want to also just remind us of um, St. Paul's famous um, words in Philippians 4.13, which I think this might have been the first Bible verse me and my children uh, memorize, we we memorize, um, like about monthly, we memorize a new Bible verse. And this might have been one of the first ones we, we memorized years ago. And it goes, and I know you all have heard it, but it goes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I think what's unique <laughs> that we have to remember is Paul did not say, I can do all things like the world often wants to tell us, right? The world wants to tell us to keep going, work harder, be stronger, be more independent. You can do it. And that's a great like little high five for all my motivational speakers out there. And it can help encourage us. But we forget that we actually can't do all things. In fact, we can actually do nothing. But it's a promise to us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And one of those things we can do while moving about in this world is finding that internal peace of Christ, that stillness and rest we all desire as we move about our days as Christ so beautifully promised us in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. But this is an invitation for all my listeners out there to remember, don't do it alone. Our Lord has promised us rest. But in this, he has told us that we should come to him for this glorious rest. And in that, um, being yoked to him is the gift that we all so desperately need. And he is so <laughs> desperately desires for us. He promises us at the end of that where he says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So when we follow, you won't feel the pull of that neck of the um, of the yoke on your neck. When you follow suit, you will realize you're not going in the uh you're not the the struggling ox that's supposed to be following that's fighting against God's will. When you come to him and let him take the lead, there's an ease about that yoke that's upon your shoulder. There's a lightness to it, right? And then whatever God Christ is pulling behind us, he's got it. Whatever work these oxen have at hand, he's promising us that his burden is light, right? And if we're going against the grain and going against what Christ desires of us, we will feel that internal struggle and that burden will become heavier. And so, friends, as I continue myself to really try to remain yoked to the king of the world, I just pray for all of you guys that you can also remember this and that take to heart this idea that our Lord so beautifully promised us rest, but through a profound invitation to be yoked to the king of the world. So friends, this has been great as always. And I so treasure all of the messages I get from you guys and the companionship, to be honest, while I'm journeying towards this stillness set in Christ while I move about in this world. And I just hope you all have a really blessed um, day and week and I really delight in chatting with you all so I cannot wait <laughs> to catch up with you all again next week God bless take care